Yes. All right, fantastic. Brilliant. And I want all that on my desk by turn nine at the latest. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Who's that? Oh, Johnson. Uh, he works at Teleria. I think I just got a pretty good deal out of him, actually. James, James, always wheeling and dealing. What did you get this time? Oh, well, it is perfect. They've agreed not to swing at me with Krenko and the band of many goblins, and all I have to do is leave their basalt monolith alone. What a bargain. Hey, James. Yeah, what is it? It says here in the paperwork that Johnson has a rings of bright hearth with a profit margin of one billion mana into the X cost of fireball. Is it getting hot in here? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Get Commanded podcast. It's the GCP brought to you by the GCC. Uh, James has written us a lot of little <laughs> opening skits there about um, d- doing deals. Yes, one that I clearly got wrong after getting <laughs> fireballed in the face by I a mono red burn deck. Definitely haven't seen this happen in real time. No, if before. I make deals, they stick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, before anything else, we actually have an incoming transmission, James. Oh, is that those space commanders again? It's the space commanders. So, from the deep depths of the galaxy, it is the space commanders. It's time to get commanded here it comes this is the uh, text-to-speech software again communicate with other players to have fun and to win Ooh, interesting this Mm. is a topic that i feel very passionate about would you believe that i like talking well um have i given you any mm. indication at our commander knights standing on chairs the hollow commander players thing tough to say i know (laughs) James obviously famous for his uh, his love of politics, especially in Commander, uh, and you know making deals that benefit him in some way. Oh yeah, you know manipulating the way that the game proceeds so that he wins, but well, also so he has more fun. Yes, and before we even had our official uh, GCC group chats, the the nickname that I was given in our old chat. I'm not sure if you remember, it was more political than ScoMo. I do remember because I gave you that, that nickname. Well, you you gave me that I nickname. I gave you more, oh, more political than ScoMo. Uh, but yes, so <laughs> close to James's heart. But I love also, this topic. Also something that I feel strongly about. Um, I guess right off the bat, the first place that we usually start to see the communication happen in a commander game is rule zero. And so for those who don't know, um, if you go on the uh, official commander rules, I say official commander is run by a sort of informal group of people called the commander rules committee um they have this thing called rule zero of commander which is technically about actually negotiating which rules are legal so if you wanted to play a a card from an um you know one of the unsets yeah a silver watered card um rule zero would be the time to do that however rule zero has sort of evolved i think in the way that we talk about commander where it now means more like what kind of game are we going to have? Exactly. Uh, like, are we going to have a casual one or are we going to be ruthless cutthroat? Yeah. And I find it really interesting because our command today was using our communication to have fun and to win. And this starts weirdly outside the game. Before the game's even started, Definitely. we need to be able to communicate with each other. The nature of Commander is that it is a very social game. There's four people to a table, usually minimum. Sometimes you play with a pot of three. And the idea is that there's no competition. There's no prize at the end of it. It's just for your own personal bragging rights and, more importantly, to have a good time. Yeah. So I think that's what... I think that's probably the most interesting thing I find about Rule Zero is that's the point where you make sure 
that everyone at the table is there for the same reason, going to have a good time. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, like everyone plays Commander to have fun, but some people have fun in different ways. You know, like there are people, there are people who play at the store that me and James play at, <laughs> the Good Games Greensboro store, who love to play stacks. Oh, yes. They actually actively enjoy the cards that say to the, their opponents, you don't get to cast more than one spell a turn. Yeah. You don't get to untap more than this many lands a turn. Cards like Stasis, for example, where <laughs> um, I completely tap out on my turn to try and combo off, cast a Pact of Negation, and then I pass the turn thinking, oh, I'm going to have to pay this in my upkeep, and someone plays a Stasis and laughs maniacally <laughs> this is the kind of thing we're expecting <laughs> yeah so this is you know some people genuinely have fun with these cards and we shouldn't disparage those people but it needs to be made clear at the beginning of the game that someone is going to play that way and then you know if necessary people adjust sometimes it might even mean that you don't even end up playing with that those yeah, people you and just that's find also a different table totally fine totally fine so let's pretend we're sitting down for rule zero i think that's a really good thing let's go through like a checklist of what we should discuss at rule zero to make sure that a everyone's there to do the same thing and have a good time so i think the first one that i ask the first question that i ask is what does everyone want to play deck wise in their collection because when you're at a local game store usually you know at least a good couple of people and what kind of collection of decks they have like i could probably rattle off most of your decks just from memory but if you say i'm thinking about playing seguin i go ah i know that deck i know exactly what it does i played against it before and i know what kind of cards are in it and all that kind of stuff yeah and so i i think in an established play group i think what you're saying is that we don't need to have such a long discussion yes. before the game because yeah. like you say i can pull out seguin and you go okay i know this is going to be very much a combat based deck there's absolutely not an infinite combo in this deck that i have to be thinking about mm. this is just something that wins with combat it's going to be susceptible to removal you know it's that kind of a game and you can adjust accordingly but when you go to a game store for the first time or if you're just a new player to a game mm. store you don't know what that means when someone says i'm going to play my seguin deck so because there are some seguin decks with like you know equipment like yours and then there are some seguin decks with sort of feast and famine in it yeah and like that just jumps the power up a little bit so like totally. when someone says a commander that doesn't give you a full insight so there's a couple of things we need to learn about a deck right? definitely definitely i i think there's a few questions that you can basically ask to get the most important information across and i think they are how does your deck win how consistently does it do that and how does it prevent opponents from winning they're really concise questions. It's. I feel like that's a reasonable amount yeah. to ask. Like we could ask more questions and yeah. probably get a more detailed idea, but we take forever. <laughs> we probably don't want to do that before a game of Commander, before we've had the fun. Yep. However, we also don't want to end up, in my opinion, the other way, the other side of the spectrum, which is my deck is a 7 out of 10 power level, right? Yeah. Because well, everyone says their deck is a 7 out of 10 power level. Yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like the I feel like some other, you know, YouTube content and things like that that have discussed these topics in the past have used the power scale, quote unquote, as a way to describe deck's power levels. Yeah. I mean, we are how many sets of Magic the Gathering are there now? Tens of hundreds maybe. I don't probably. Know. We're, yeah. we're probably in that kind of category. The game is developing so much and Commander has changed so much that doing it out of 10 doesn't work anymore. So I think the questions that you just listed, like how does your deck win? How consistently does it do it? And then how can you stop your opponents from winning? Is it counter spells? Is it destruction? Is it yeah. land land destruction? Totally. What, what are kind of things that you're doing that gives a much better holistic approach of what a deck is actually capable totally. of? Totally. And, and this also avoids the situation where like, 
I found I have to be really specific when I introduce my Kaza Wizards deck, for instance, mm. because like in terms of these questions, um, you know, how consistently does my deck get to its win con? Not very. Um, how does it prevent opponents from winning? bad counterspells and weird wizard ETBs. Hey, but... wizard's retort is a solid counterspell. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but how does my deck win? Well, it often assembles an infinite combo. And so, like, yeah, I might say to someone, look, this deck is pretty janky. It's probably a 5 out of 10. It might be some way I describe it. But someone is going to feel bad then if I go and win with an infinite combo because for me, for a long time when I was playing, if someone said their deck was a 5 out of 10, a 5 out of 10 deck, in my opinion, does not contain an infinite combo no. at all. That's just not something no. that it has in there. So, like, this sort of encompasses that weird zone that you end up in where, like, you know, because people build decks with the cards they have, and sometimes the, most of the cards they have are jank, and then they have, like, this amazing one card in there. And so you avoid no. the situation where someone's like, I thought we were playing 7 out of 10, but you've got a mana crypt. So this can't be 7 out of 10 anymore. But it's like, this encompasses a bit, a greater variety of the sort yeah. of decks that we're going to see, right? And I think sometimes, like, you know, even listing specific cards to make people aware of that. Like, you know, you've got a the, the infinite combo in your Kaza deck. There's mm. a lot of the um, dual caster mage combos of copying spells in the stack with Ghostly Flicker, making yep. infinite mana, all that kind of stuff. But there's some cards that you can just say that you use, like a dual caster mage and ghostly flicker that people go right okay i understand how that combo works and it's pretty intricate to set up you need both those cards in your hand yep. it needs to be uninterrupted you need an outlet for it all that kind of stuff that way it's not saying i have an infinite combo in my deck because every then everyone's like oh i'm on edge this entire game yeah you can be like no no no. I need, there's a lot of setup to this combo mm. for example i'm thinking quite specifically of my brutaclad deck Right. It is an absolute monster of a deck to assemble, but once the engine's on, it's almost impossible to stop. And sometimes you can get infinites. And when I say sometimes, I genuinely mean sometimes. There are so <laughs> there are so many conditions that have to be met to get that combo online. This is like, definitely one of James's decks where it's like, whoopsie, whoopsie, I've I got won. infinite. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And I think that like listing some of the cards uh, when you're having those rule zero discussions makes things so much easier. Like when I talk about. Brutaclad, I go, okay, I run a Mind Slaver in this deck, which is yeah. the card that it's six mana to cast, four mana sack it, take an opponent's next turn, target opponent. Now, it's a brutal card. It's it's intense. But I there are lots of a ways, there's lots of ways commander decks abuse it by doing it multiple times on a turn, copying the ability, doing lots of that stuff. My Brutaclad deck can't do that very easily. So it's a card that's in there. I might take your turn once. Then it's gone. Yeah. And then maybe if I hit Academy Ruins or find Academy Ruins in the deck, I can do it maybe one or, one or two more times. But Totally. And this, is, this I think, would come under that sort of thing of, like, how does my deck win might mm. be a thing of, well, I can kind of win maybe with a Mind Slaver, but it's like, how consistently can I do that? Not very. You know? Exactly. So this, is, this would be the kind of language you'd be using where you'd be like, hey, it's got a Mind Slaver in there. I've got no way to manipulate this to make it really amazing. I might take one turn you know yeah. from somebody else and then and that that's the other thing as well because like in and obviously for, for the skit the bit we just did basalt monolith scary card yeah basalt monolith reads i'm gonna make infinite colorless mana but some people might have a basalt monolith in their deck and not run rings of bright hearth which makes it go infinite some people might not run kinnon which makes it go infinite so saying i have a basalt monolith in the deck but i don't have the other side of the combo it's fine Another example I'm thinking specifically with my decks is my Liesa deck. Um, I run one side of the life drain, life gain, co infinite combos. 
I run the when an opponent loses life, I gain that much life. And that's exquisite bloodness, yep. enchantment. If you don't know the combo, the other part of the combo is a sanguine bond, which is another enchantment which basically reads the opposite, which is whenever you gain life, opponents lose life. And Vito forms one half of this combo sometimes. Sanguine right? bond, yes. It's, it's, it's another sanguine bond. Yeah, effect. and there's, yeah. there's a couple of other replacements that you can do. Exquisite Blood is the one that's not got an alternative. It's just the one of. Yeah. yeah, so I run that side. And every time it hits the table, I have to say, like, I don't worry, I'm not going in for now. It's I'm not, not going to go in for now. Yeah, yeah. and it's, yeah. it's one of these things that I've now started to say in Rule Zero. Because then when it does hit the table, no one's freaking out or no one's going to say, you said this was a chill 7 out of 10, you know? Totally. It avoids that. So actually listing a couple of cards, really handy. Yeah, yeah. It can be good to be specific. And, um, you know, I think as well, these three questions that I've introduced that, you know, how does your deck win? How consistently does it do that? How does it prevent opponents from winning? It's really just a guideline. And the most important thing is that you start a conversation and then you ask good questions. So, for instance, a, a, a few times when you're playing with someone who's new, they'll say, um, you know, I'll say, oh, what kind of a deck are you playing? And they'll say, it's a pre-con. Mm. So, a great question to ask right now is, is that an upgraded pre-con? And then most of the time, people have swapped some number of cards. So, they'll say, yeah, actually it is. And then you can be like, well, how much of it's upgraded? Would yep. be a good question to ask here. Because, like, people who are new, it's probably like, oh... I played Modern Horizons 2 one time and there's one fetch land. You know, like that's going to improve the deck, yeah. but it's not a new deck now for mm. that having been done. Whereas people who are very experienced, often they're like, I bought the pre-con. It's not pre-con anymore. <laughs> I even swapped out the basic lands. Yeah. They look better now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the commander, yeah. a soul ring and 98 other cards. Yeah. And otherwise it's nothing like it was before. Yeah. So, you know, like it's the important thing is to start the conversation mm. and to have the conversation in the first place because it's really easy to sit down and think to yourself, oh, I should say something about my deck and then people are already pulling out decks and you kind of go, ah, oh, I won't worry about it. Mm. it. But as soon as you say one thing, I find 99% of the time people are really happy to then be like, oh, right, of course. And then they tell you about their deck and they're like, oh, I've got these two decks. One's really strong. It does this kind of thing. One's really weak. And so once that conversation's happening... I find usually the the questions answer themselves. Yeah, really. and, it, and it all starts with, like I said at the start of this segment, is like, what kind of decks does everyone want to play? What kind of game do we want to have? Yeah. And I really like that that pre-con uh, example because there's, there's definitely a responsibility for experienced players in this zone. Totally. Um, if you are an experienced player and someone says, I've got an upgraded pre-con deck, because I've had this experience before, I sat down at a table with an Obun deck. Um, now, I actually have the Obun Precon, and I've upgraded one card in it. I took out a basic forest and put Felidar Retreat in it, which... why was in the deck. Why wasn't it in the Precon in the first place? 100%. It's from the same set. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, but that's all I did to the deck. So I know exactly what the deck does. I played it a hundred times. It's it's very consistent. It does. I know what kind of power level it's at. And this new player said, I've got an Obun deck. It's upgraded. And I said, oh, how upgraded is it? And they went, not very. And I kind of took it at face value. And they said, I'm a new player and I'm interested to sit down. This new player bought heat, like bought the gas. There was like a, you know, the Omnath in there with like heaps of fetch lands. Wow. There was like, I think they even had a sort of Feast and Fem. So that once they had all those lands down, they could untap, have even more mana. They had things like, you know, some really big overwhelming stampede type effects. Like even, a, I think they had a Crater Hoof in the deck. So it was like, it's it's this kind of responsibility that I maybe should have took as an experienced player. Because I think it was like their third time at the store or something. And they maybe had bought, maybe they got a bit pack happy and they bought a hundred packs or something like that and then just started slotting in and didn't realize how much power more powerful they're making their deck 
So as an experienced player, maybe in that situation, I should have just said, do you mind if I have a quick flick through your deck? Because that's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's really, it's not going to take you too long. It's a hundred cards. I can flick through a deck in like less than a minute and see key cards. Like if I see a crater hoof, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to play my Oboon deck against this. <laughs> yeah. I might bring out my elf deck or something totally. like something that can, can compete with that level. Yeah. So just asking, can I have a quick flick through your deck? Most, I mean, if someone said, can I flick through your deck before playing? I'd hand it right over. Mm. Um, I, I guess I will say the one thing is if people are wary of COVID and kind of are like, oh, yes. I'd prefer if you didn't, you should totally respect that, obviously, yeah. as well. Or even just ask, can you like show me a couple of the cards that yeah, you Yeah, that's probably deck, a good way of doing yeah. it as well. Yeah. 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 Be yeah. responsible, obviously. Totally. And then obviously you've got like examples where, you know, people describe their deck in one or two words. Like, oh, this is a tribal deck. And you're like, okay, is it is it a kithkin tribal deck or is it cranko goblins like yeah. <laughs> what level are we talking about here totally totally and like it's great that you can start with tribal deck but that is also encompassing pretty much any power level really <laughs> it can be done in a tribal is deck. it a five color ur dragon deck that slams uh, a terror of the peaks down on turn two or <laughs> looking at it... our friend jordan right yeah now. definitely adam jordan <laughs> or is it or is it a weird is it wizards deck with a janky combo not naming any names in the room. <laughs> We've already talked about Kaza, James. Come on, okay? I feel like Kaza's like... going to come up at least once an episode <laughs> at this point. It is just a weird... It's a weird deck. Wild it's a deck. Weird deck. But, like, yeah, you know, you. it's important to know what tribe's being played and then also, you know, how that tribe will win. Like, so you might ask a question like, okay, it's a tribal deck. Does it win in combat? Mm. Because there are tribal decks that don't need combat. There, there are, like, quote, tribal decks that just win with an infinite because it yeah. works. Like, I find... Probably the most common example of this is probably vampires, I would say. A lot of them just run the, the combo you Sanguine already mentioned. Bond and Exquisite Blood, Sanguine yeah. Bond and Exquisite Blood or Sanguine Bond and Vito because it feels kind of flavorful. So I totally understand yeah. that. But, um, you know, if you if someone said, oh, I'm playing a, a tribal deck, I was like, which tribe? Vampires. Oh. How does is, it win? Does it have the infinite as yeah. well? It's probably going to be my first question. I'm probably not even going to ask, how does it win? I know. It's yeah. probably gonna this be. is one option. Does it have it? Does it have it in there? Um, you know, and how consistently does it do that as well? Yeah. Because there are some tribal decks that have like a million tutors. Like some tribes mm. just, I find probably the most, the biggest example of this is probably zombies, weirdly. Zombies is incredibly because good because you can put them in the bin. That's the main thing. thing. Like you can reanimate zombies so easily and there's so many zombies that put things in your bin. So yeah. it just becomes this loop of being like, oh, I find the best zombie in my deck. Here's Diagraph Colossus or whatever mm. on the battlefield. Um, so that's obviously going to make a deck a lot more consistent than yeah. just drawing and playing whatever zombies you find. So. I, I 100% agree. And I actually had a very interesting rule zero conversation about my Scarab God deck just recently. Right. It just recently got a bunch of upgrade. I put a rooftop storm in there. Right. I put um, a couple more tutors that go to the graveyard in there. Um, obviously Sphinx the Second Son is now in my Scarab God deck, which uh, is, it gives me a whole nother beginning step at the yeah, end of the turn. It's wild. so weird. It's crazy. And everyone said like, uh, you know, cause I said, oh, this is a very interesting deck. And I just, I tried to describe it as best I could. And then I asked myself, cause I was actually sat down with a, a bunch of new players. I asked myself, how does this deck win? And I actually went, it doesn't win through combat, even though my board gets full. It actually usually wins by giving me maybe five upkeeps in a turn and draining the table. Yeah. I don't I've think got... I've ever seen that deck 
Maybe once I've seen that deck win with combat with that weird zombie that gives zombies tokens flying, whatever the hell that and, card And is. then there's another one that gives them death touch, oh, so menace and oh. hexproof, zombie tokens. Zombie, you can actually do anything with zombie tribal. Yeah. It's kind of cool in that I mean, way. it's blue-black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you're right. That, that yeah. deck, I, I will say, having played the deck a lot of times, it's usually going to be some combination of Gary. <laughs> yes, Gary. <laughs> bringing Gary game. back yep. in some way and then, yeah, giving yourself five upkeeps and being like, okay, I drained for five. I drain for six. I drain for ten. <laughs> Soz. Are you dead? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, so when I when I answer that question, I'll be like, right, this is so say this is a rule zero conversation. I'm sitting down with Scarab God. I'd be like, this is my Scarab God deck. It's zombie tribal. It'll flood the board with a lot of zombies, but that's not how it's gonna win. Things to look out for would be like things like Paradox Haze. If you can remove Paradox Haze, probably a good idea. Because giving me an extra upkeep, very powerful in this deck. Saying things like that are actually going to help the rest of the table understand what you're going to be doing. And you don't have to give away all your secrets. No. You don't have to give away, like, the secret little Narumea flickering a land <laughs> that pings infinite combo that's wild. You can just say that these are the things I'm going to try and do. Like, yeah. if you say, like, I'll win on the stack with these kinds of effects, people mm. know they need to, might need to leave mana up on your turn to interact with you. Totally. So yeah. that way it's, like, it's better than saying my deck's a six. <laughs> yeah, and leaving it at that, yeah. 100%. I think the most important thing to keep in mind about this first conversation, because the Rule Zero conversation is really your introduction to talking to the table, right? Yes, that's where it starts. It's the first thing you're doing. The, the most important thing to keep in mind is that if this discussion goes really well, you will have a better game. It will be more fun. It'll be more even, which, like, let's be honest, does anyone really enjoy just winning really easily? I can't think of any game I've won like really easily and gone. That was an amazing game. That felt satisfying. No. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It does not, doesn't happen. All. The ones that feel really memorable are the ones that are close. Mm. They're the ones that have interaction. They're the ones where like someone makes some crazy last minute play that you didn't expect. Like that's what makes a really great game of Commander. And if you're having a really good conversation at the beginning of this game, because that's what it is, you're opening the game with this conversation, your game is going to be better. It's going to be more fun. It's going to be even. It's going to be everything you want out of Commander. And... Not only does it give a better fun game, but it actually weirdly does give you a better chance of winning, which is our the other part of our commandment. If you know what the decks at the table are going to be doing, you've actually got a better chance of winning because you understand the table. Totally. I think that's really relevant. 100%. 100%. Alright, I would like to move past Rule Zero now and actually begin a game. Because okay. while Rule Zero is incredibly important, there's something you can do with your words in Commander that can make or break a game. Swearing at people. That usually breaks it. <laughs> if, if you just go, fuck you, I hate them, screw you, man. It just usually makes a player leave the table. No, no, what I'm talking about is striking up deals, making deals with people. This is a four-player game in which everyone has the same goal to be the last person standing at the table. Only one may stand, to quote a very famous podcast. <laughs> we do like that podcast. So this is the 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 biggest part in my opinion of where you can use a resource in magic the gathering that is can't be used anywhere else except in our format if we were playing pauper right now well i'm playing is it blitz and you're playing your golgari sacrifice deck i can't say to you hey well i won't swing at you next turn if you don't uh, if you don't make me sacrifice this creature <laughs> because it's a one-on-one -on -one format and both of us have the same goal and it's to win we're yeah. trying to beat each other that's the only goal really it, that is the only goal so you can't politic in 1v1 but because we play commander which let's face it is the best format of magic the gathering agreed we can make deals with each other totally totally and it's you know it i think of it almost as a game mechanic in it of its own like, and a resource as it well. is a resource and 
it's the kind of thing where I think it's it, it's exactly encompassing the values that, that they're talking about in this episode, which is that I think it means that you will have more fun because you're talking about it. Mm. And I think if you strike a, the right deal at the right time, you're actually more likely to win as well because you've manipulated the board in a way that actually does advance you a tiny bit forward. Yeah, um, I totally agree. And I, I've made many deals in my time. There's a couple of things that I would like to give the listeners pointers on. Sure. The first tip, I think, for anyone, specifically for new players, I think this tip goes really well with, you don't always have to say yes. Yeah. In Commander, if someone's pointing a gun at your head, it could be like a you know big fireball or something like that, and someone's asking you to do, like, do something for them or, or not do something, but you know on your turn, if you do that thing, you're really setting yourself up to win. Even if that deal seems so sweet and you're going to get, I don't know, maybe a scheming symmetry out of it or something like that. If if they're saying, don't swing at me and I'll give you a scheming symmetry, but you know if you swing that on your next turn, you're going to win the game. Say, nah, I'm good. Yeah. And say no. Say no. And also, like, when you do say no to, like, a deal that someone's laying out really, like, they've, they've, they might have thought about it for a whole board rotation. They sat mm. there scratching their chin. And then they think, oh, this is the perfect amount of give and take. I'm going to win here. I'm going to yep. give some here. I'm going to get some. And then you say no. Oh, my God. That has thrown their entire turn. Totally. They, totally. Are, they are now on the back foot and you're in the driving seat. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's important to keep in mind that in, in that instance where someone wants to strike a deal... There is something that's probably not going well enough for them yet. Mm. They actually need something from you. And so, like, you're not just a bl- blank slate that they can write the deal upon. <laughs> they're, not, they're not just writing on your forehead, you owe me this or whatever. I owe you, you staple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you have the ability to negotiate because the fact that they're striking a deal means that they actually do kind of need this. So you should, like, stop and consider. I think it's always worth considering a deal, unless it's stupid, which does happen. But, you know, always worth considering and think, like, really think, what do I need right now? Because they'll often offer something that they wanted to give you anyway. Like, if someone says to you, I won't swing this creature at you next turn, they probably weren't going to do that anyway. So, you know, you should probably ask for something. Like, if I've got my, my Rada Heart of Kel deck, mm. right? That's a big Voltron-y deck. It makes this huge Rada. She punches once, she punches hard. Yeah, exactly. And so if I'm like, oh, um, don't remove Rada and I won't swing her at you next turn, you should probably say two turns. Minimum. Yeah, you or know? three. Like, see what you can get out of it. Go yeah. high. Because <laughs> also, like, in terms of the deal, that's a game-ending threat for you right there. Yeah. So, like, you should negotiate for a great deal here because if you don't, you'll lose. <laughs> yes, 100% you will. And, look, this is the thing. In line with what you were saying of, like, when someone's offering you a deal, they clearly are, are trying to manifest a situation where they win the game. Always keep that in the back of your mind. Now, the other situation is something that got pointed out to me only just like a couple of weeks ago when I was playing. And someone said, James, you know what? I've noticed something about your gameplay. And I was like, what? What? And this is after I'm packing up all my stuff. I'm like, what is it? And I just lost the game. And I'm like, you politic a lot when you're about to lose. (laughs) 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 And I I thought about it and I do. I get in this like weird giggly, like, oh, no, 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 don't don't swing at me. Don't swing at me. I can give you anything you want. And it's almost like my politicking becomes less... I've got a really well thought out contract. Please sign on the bottom line. Yeah. More like, please, sir, I'm begging you. I'll do whatever you please. Having played a lot with James, I can see the look in his eyes when he needs it. He needs yeah. the deal. And that's when I'm like, hey, James, 
you can't do anything to me for five <laughs> turns. Like, you know, that's when you could, you know you could make and a deal. And Walt will get out a little dice and put it in front of his playmat. <laughs> I do! Oh my god, <laughs> I so do. do that. Yeah. But yeah. I think, like, I mean, that's a hot tip if you're ever playing me and you see me on my back foot. If if, if I want to be in the game and I start politicking, you can get anything out of yeah. it. Yeah. I, I might even give you the keys to my car at that point, like, totally. to save my skin. I think the main thing that we're probably alluding to here is, like, really consider when someone's striking a deal what they want what you want and like the circumstances of the game because yeah. the thing that they want is always in the context of what's on the board what's what their they... life total at yeah are what... they one combat away from death totally and so you know if you know they're on their last legs you can ask for more and you probably should <laughs> yeah really and like that that's you know i mean there's other things that you can do to get better at politicking that I've actually kind of gone off and done my own little research of realm of politics because I found that that was a player archetype that I fell really into and I became really interested with it. So some of my other tips, go out there and actually read some books that are on being political and making deals. Like there's, you know, books like The Art of the Deal and like all those kinds of styles of books that are business related but can actually give you some tactics on how to manage conversation. Um, Then you could read some like war strategy books as well. Which yeah. there's, there's, there's a couple of really interesting podcasts out there that talk about Magic the Gathering in relation to war and how, you know, strategic generals might use, you know, political strategies to like say, right, this is off limits, mm. but this is, you know. Right. Well, I, I guess it's not dissimilar. You know, you do have a, a certain number mm. of opponents um, and, you know, you are kind of on a some sort of crusade yes, <laughs> against yeah. them yep. so yeah maybe maybe it's not that dissimilar that actually that makes a lot of sense to me the other thing that i want to give as a final tip from me before we go into because I, I know what you're about to say well i can i can see it in your eyes it's, <laughs> it's an unwritten rule and we'll get there but the one last piece of advice that i want to give people when they're making deals is put the fine print in the deal Sometimes yes. you'll make a deal, and most of the time it's verbal. You're not going to actually bring out a contract and, and sign on the dotted <laughs> line when you're playing Commander. It's so it's usually a verbal agreement. Stipulate all the rules and regulations about that deal. Because mm. I have done this, and I have said things like, I will not swing at you with this creature next turn. Yep. And I've got a sneak attack on field and a Blightsteel <laughs> Colossus in hand. So, like, it's... It's that kind of trickery that mm. I will pull on you out there in the community. <laughs> if you are making deals with me, make sure you put in the dotted line. Because I've done this before. I've used this trick many times with, for example, Abomination of Lanoir is my favorite one to do this trick with. Because mm. I say, I won't swing at you with my elf ball, the Abomination of Lanoir, which at this, you know, by turn eight, it's like a 20-22. Or like, yeah. it's, it's ridiculously big. And I say, I won't swing at you with that next turn. And I'm like, that's a great deal. I don't get one-shotted by a commander damage. I'm like, okay, awesome. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to double its power and cast Overwhelming Stampede, and I'm going to kill you with one elf. <laughs> because now that elf is a 40-40, yes. and that just wipes you out. And this is the kind of thing where if you were really careful with your deal, you might have looked at the gleam in James's eye and said, you don't swing at me at all this turn. Yes. James. See, okay, this is a really good example about how often we've played together. Because <laughs> you know how to get around those things. But my, la- my last tip is definitely put the fine print in the deal. Definitely. Or, like Walt said, ask for more. Yeah, yeah. And Not- well, and be specific, probably, is what yeah, we're saying in the specific. fine print. You know, be specific about what you need and be specific about, yeah, what this deal mm. encompasses. Because people will try and manipulate don't it. Don't let and, me run know. away with the game. No, don't, don't let him do it. Don't let him do it. And look... The, the cardinal rule of making deals, we'd be mm-hmm. remiss not to, to say it, 
is you always keep your deals. I browse on the uh, EDH subreddit quite yeah. often. And you would not believe the number of posts being like, oh, my friend doesn't understand why we're always angry at him because he always breaks deals. And then there's just a bunch of comments of people being like, yeah, I'd be mad too. Yeah. You don't break deals in Commando. No, you just is, don't do it. It is. It's an unwritten rule for a reason because I don't think it needs to be written because it's also just a bit of an assholey thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think it's just as a general thing. If I agree, oh, well, yeah, no, I'll um, I'll cook you dinner tomorrow night and you can come around. And then, like, tomorrow night comes and you get around. I'm like, oh, what are you cooking me for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> That's just a really horrible thing. If you've agreed to do something for someone or do something with someone, totally. stick to it. And like, look, it's it's not exactly the same in real world examples, yeah. obviously. We're being a bit dramatic here. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it does hold true that if someone kind of lies to you, and consistently lies to you, that gets pretty grating. And you also, I think it's actually reasonable to start to ask questions of like, what else are you lying to me about? Yeah, that's a totally reasonable thing. <laughs> if you're willing then, to lie for a game of Commander, what else are you willing to lie for? <laughs> yes, 100%. And to like, to bring it back to like our Commander of the Day, in, we all know I love politicking. When I do it, it, it's fun for me. That makes a fun and exciting game because totally. it adds that whole mechanic. The other thing is, it generally gets me to a winning position, or in many situations, gets me out of a losing position. <laughs> um, so, it, it, politics is a mechanic, it's a resource, your opponents are there, and they have a brain and a mouth, you, you can use both of them. Totally. So, it's it's a really interesting way. And when, when we say keep a deal, did you have an example of like <sighs> something that's gone wrong? I, okay, you gotta be careful with the deals that you make. Because I said to someone in a game, oh god, only a couple of days ago, I was playing my Seguin deck. Right. And um, I had, I'd started my Rule Zero conversation with, because I, I knew this is something people would be thinking about when they saw Seguin. I said, this is not a Voltron deck. I am not putting a bunch of swords on Seguin and winning that way. I find it's more fun to give this knight a sword, that knight a sword. Everyone gets a sword and win that way. And so I cast Seguin and the person sitting next to me said, oh, I'm going to remove Seguin. And I was like, no, it's not a big deal. I will never swing Seguin at you if you don't remove Seguin. That's a big, big statement. And they were like, sure. <laughs> because in their mind, they're going like, you know, this is the creature that can kill me anytime. I have, I have officially not lost to Walt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, it, it to be honest, it worked out really well for me. I ended up swinging like a bunch of stuff, but it got down to the end of the game and it was me and this person. Oh no. And I had like, it was actually getting hard to win the game because I had this enchantment on me that like in my upkeep, I revealed cards until I revealed a creature and this opponent got that creature. So they were just taking all the knights away. Every single... So, like, this is the thing. I would, like, swing with this amazing board, this huge suited-up knight that was not Seguin, and they'd block it, because they had a blocker every turn. And so I kept being like, how do I get through this? And I can't use Seguin, who has menace, who <laughs> <laughs> fix this problem. And so, yeah, like, the, you know, be careful. I did end up winning that game in did the you, end. Did you stick to the deal? I did stick to the deal. Well, I, I never I never swung Seguin, because I do, I you know, I have scruples. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the kind of thing where you do be careful with the deals that you make because sometimes, yeah, you will want to go back on them. I can. have been in those situations where I've wanted to break a deal so badly, yeah, so, so badly. And I have never, ever done it. I think it's just, if, if you want to be a good commander player, have fun and 
win in a respectable way. Totally. Just don't do it. I think I, I totally agree. I think the, the one thing I will say that's sort of like a like the very fine print under never break your deals is I think there's kind of an unwritten rule of never break your deals unless you will win the game on the spot. If you do, it depends on the deal. The Seguin mm. deal I was happy to like withhold from, but if it's kind of a deal like... Um, I'm trying to think of something. But, you know, like, sometimes it's like someone makes a deal with you and then it's like they combo and win out of nowhere. And it's like maybe their deal was, oh, I won't kill you in three turns. And it's like, well, they they did just combo. So, like, (laughs) were they going to not combo for three turns? Probably not. I think this one's probably a little bit iffy, but in general, if someone's like, oh, look, I'm going to break this deal because I win the game right now, I rarely feel bad about it. And you can also, again, the, the whole point of this episode is talk to your playgroup. Yeah. You, know, you might have been sat at that table now for four hours. And you, <laughs> totally. know, you're, you might have had your graveyards and everything shuffled in back into your library and you've gone through a whole nother game state. You've <laughs> yeah. had board wipe after board wipe and everyone's sat there and you can see everyone just wants to go over to Noodlebox and get something to eat. <laughs> and then you can go, I, I can win and I can end this game and we can all have a good time. But I need to break a deal to yeah. do it. And and if you put that out to the table, everyone might be, you know what? I've had a great time. But if it goes any longer, I might fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is also like, I, I did not think I was going to add this in here. But sometimes it's good when you're making a deal to open up the discussion to the rest of the table. So Ooh, like yeah, that's a really good, good example of what yeah. you're saying right there. Where it's like, you know, sometimes you can feel less bad about, um, you know, a decision that you make if everyone agrees that it's the one to make, like sometimes people, you know, you remove someone's enchantment and they're like, oh, you should have done this one. Yeah. And you can kind of feel like there's just a bit of jarring happening there. Um, but if you had said before you did it, if you were like, okay, can we all agree that the worst enchantment on the table is this Ristic study here? And then three of the four players, the other one being the one who has a Ristic study, <laughs> go, yes, yes, please do that. Then there's less of a feels bad because that player's kind of like, ah, well, if they all agree, yeah. it's probably the right decision. And also, as I, I think, again, wow, we, we've, there's so many things that keep popping up in this section. I, I knew there would be. Um, but the other thing that I, as a, as a tip, is if you see two players politicking with each other, maybe they're doing it on your turn. Tune into it. Yeah. Maybe and interject. Interject, yeah. If, if someone says, oh, well, can you please remove this enchantment for me and I won't do this thing for you? And you see the line that they're going down. You can be like, oh, hey, well, do you realize that they're just going to do this then? That might make you go, I don't want to make that deal with you. You're totally right. And then, by coincidence, you've made a friend at the table as well. They feel like they owe you something now, right? Yeah. Look, this is the kind of thing we could talk about forever. It's a great... I definitely could talk about this forever. (laughs) I think I probably could too. I think it's it's probably one of the best aspects of Commander, so it makes sense. But um, we should move on to other ways you communicate with your players, and we are going to do the paper throwing thing. Okay, good, yeah. Hey! <laughs> Amazing that tradition. We do the we do the ridiculous command zone thing of throwing the paper because we're pretending we're already majorly successful. Is what basically do you mean what we're pretending, James? Oh, we, I mean, like we're world famous. We're, uh, we're going obviously. to LA next week. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. All right. Well, the next one. Um, this is something that I'm trying to work on. And so I've almost thrown this in here as a way of saying, like, you know, maybe keep me accountable on this. You sure. and other people I play commander with. Um, a great way you can communicate with other players and just keep the dialogue going, compliment your opponents. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you see someone, like, do a sequence of plays, you know, they, they play this creature that activates this enchantment when they do that, that then does, like, a chain of events that this amazing value, they draw 10 cards or something, just take a moment to be like, that's sick. Yeah. Awesome. 100%. That's so cool. 
because it just it, yes it's a competitive game yes yeah. we're all trying to win but also you know people put a lot of time into building their decks and i know for me probably the the best feeling in commander like more than winning is when someone says that to me yeah if someone says like wow that card in this circumstance is amazing i'm like i know i put it in there I specifically that was did me. this for I did this, this. reason <laughs> <laughs> and like i i 100 agree with you i remember the first time and i'm gonna bring it up again kaza remember the first time <laughs> you won with kaza and it was an infinite mana flicker dual caster mage combo yep. into jai's immolating inferno yeah so amazing win i thought it was incredible you i remember when you did it you had this look of like, oh, I feel guilty for doing this because I've never done this before. I just like literally threw my hand onto the table and was like, yeah, baby. <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> because, James is my hype man, but especially in this yeah, in 100%. Yeah. I got just so excited. And I remember kind of seeing you go, oh, no, that was pretty cool. That was cool. pretty cool. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm playing <laughs> Is It. I, I felt like I should have done it. Like, yeah. felt good. And I genuinely totally agree with you. Is it's And and again, I'm going to draw this back to the command that the Space Commanders gave us. Mm. We are trying to do two things by communicating. We're trying to have fun and to win. Yeah. This actually does both, in my opinion. I think that having fun is obviously, if you compliment your opponent, you're helping them have fun because they feel good about themselves. Totally. Especially when they win. If you can congratulate them when they win, that's huge. Then they've had a good time. Definitely. The next bit is winning. If you can compliment your opponent while the game is going on and make a friend during the game... This oh my like next god level. this is like I, I genuinely believe this is the inner grixis player coming out of me right now because i'm like i want to put myself in a position where you like me so much uh, that you feel guilty about swinging at me the terrible I, things i can see in my mind's eye you doing this and i can see also my <laughs> mind going ah james is so cool and nice to me he can do what he wants. Uh, he can do whatever he wants. I've got a counter spell in hand, but I'm going to let that resolve. Uh, James is all right, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I could kill James this turn by swinging at him, but nah, he complimented me earlier, so it was uh, a nice guy. Totally. Like, I, I'm, I'm obviously joking, and the main point about, you know, we're trying to make is having a good time, but mm. I, I do think making friends at the table is a really big part of the game. It helps you win. And being generally nice and saying well done when someone does something cool mm. makes it so much easier. Definitely. And I think the other thing that you're getting when you're complimenting someone is like the person who's being complimented is receiving positive feedback mm. on their deck, right? And especially when you're a newer player, this stuff is invaluable. When, yeah. when you make that sequence and someone says to you, that was so good, you as a newer player can kind of be like, oh man, that was like... Daniel at our store is yeah. probably considered by most to be pretty much the best player at the store. And whatever um, he does, he's just crazy good at the game. I would agree. There you go, Daniel. That's now an audio recording. Yeah, I don't know. He's going to clip that and <laughs> play it on repeat as he falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's complimenting your opponent to the next level. <laughs> when they have an audio recording of you saying you're the best player at the store. What we're actually doing right now is increasing our chance of beating Daniel in a game of Commander there because we're ingratiating ourselves with him. There you go. Anyway, what I'm saying is like, if Daniel comes over, you know, and you do you've done a play and you was really happy with it and daniel's like man that was so good you've learned something about the game mm. of commander right you've learned that when you play you know your beast whisperer and then you play lanoir elves um elvish visionary like a bunch of small creatures and you draw like five cards that's good play yeah. you should be feel like that was the right thing to do and so you do when someone says it is and i and i love it when you know i play outside of my colors which is you know usually 
red, blue, black, they're my colors. Yeah. If I start playing green and, you know, yourself or Nick, another member of our store, is a very green player, I've had games where I've played my Naya um, Gishath deck. Yeah. And Nick has just had this goofy smile on his face when I'm playing because <laughs> he's like, it's so cool to see you do that. It makes me feel great because I'm like, I'm doing something that I'm not entirely comfortable with in my play styles. But the fact that Nick likes it means I'm doing something good. Yeah, right? totally, yeah. totally. And, and you, you know, you're becoming a better player in the oh, process 100%. of that happening. Yeah. I think the other key thing to think about when talking to your opponents and keeping relationships light is when you get knocked out, be gracious in defeat. Totally. I think that is the, the pinnacle way of giving your opponent a compliment. Because sometimes, I mean, we find this at our store, we've got the best community of people. That's just hands down. Everyone's so lovely it's so lovely to an extent that they might feel guilty for eliminating you. Like mm. I've, I've been in situations where someone has swung and had this like hunched shoulders, neck brought down kind of, <laughs> sorry, I'm killing you now. Yeah. And I literally go high five. That was amazing. And yeah. then, then they feel like they open up their shoulders drop and their totally. head lifts up. It, yeah. it, it makes them feel so much better. Yeah. So when you get eliminated, don't be like, Oh, I'm going to leave the table. Maybe stick around, watch how the end of the game plays out. That totally. mark of respect for the opponents at the table. Yeah. That's the way to compliment. Definitely, definitely. And I think it's, I, I totally agree. And it, it happens when, when someone does eliminate you. I think it happens quite often where someone says like, oh, sorry, you know, or something. Mm. And I think it's important, especially when someone's newer to Commander, to say like, nah, man, that was totally the well right done. call. You made yeah. the right call. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> for whatever reason, last like five times I've played my Meron deck. Um, I've milled a bunch of cards because I've had... Um, either like, is it wilderness reclamation that like returns all your lands from your, the graveyard to the battlefield tapped? Splendid reclamation. Splendid reclamation. Yeah, wilderness splendid is a different thing. Yeah. That untaps your lands. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that one. There's also the creature that does the same thing when it dies. Mm. Anyway, um, it's happened like, like four of the last five times I've played Meron. And so of course people look at your board and you've got like 25 lands and they're just like, we got to kill Walt. <laughs> We've like 100% got to kill him. Because if we don't, he's going to win he's in a gonna couple win. of turns. He's like, you know, if you've got that much money, you're just going to do it. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, and so people kill me. but the, And they're always, for whatever reason, they're kind of like, I'm sorry. And every time I'm like, I have 25 mana. Like, good call. Kill yeah. me while you can. And then I like show them my hand. And I'm like, this is how you would have died next time. <laughs> <laughs> That's even cooler. If you can like show that they made the right call at the right time. Yeah. God, that feels good as well. And Definitely. like, I also love it when I counterspell a win con on the stack. That's one of my favorite things to do. Mm. Is taking that, you know, someone's going animate dead and there's a world gorger in the bin. And I counter it. Then they go like, I've got this trick up my sleeve. And I go, yeah, but I prepared for that. Take this. <laughs> they go, oh my God. Wow. That was, I, I can't get out of that. Well done. It yeah. makes me feel like God. Yeah. So. <laughs> and this is the thing, like, you know, the, the, the commandment of the episode is about communicating to have fun and to win. I think this one's probably more about having fun than winning, but like, this is almost the most fun you can have. You know, I said it earlier, when someone compliments my deck, it makes my day. You can make someone's day mm. 100% by taking a moment to forget about the game, forget about how you're doing, the fact that you've lost even. I remember and just say, 90% of the time, there's no stakes. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're just having fun. Yeah. And so like, take the time to say to someone, that was awesome and you will make their day. Like yeah. guaranteed that will happen. I think that's a really, really good sentiment. And again, just as another point, you can be nice to people to win. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> Grixis, Grixis James is 100% the demon on the shoulder. I'm like, what if we all just loved one another and had no. a great game of Commander? And James is like, 
and then you could win. <laughs> you could win by doing that. <laughs> I feel like we should have two versions of the podcast. One where it's like blue james and then there's one where there's black james <laughs> like like black blue red james that the grixis james just comes into oh. the podcast and he's just like mm, complimenting players only good when you win the game or maybe the podcast works because i'm the harmonious green white player and you are the chaotic <laughs> grixis evil player. grixis player yeah. i never thought of that your colors are green white yeah and then you i are just have the other side yeah fantastic yeah. we complete each other james oh my god and when we're <laughs> playing with each other this, this brings us amazing segments watch this this when we play with each other we have a great time laughing with each other definitely and i think that that is one of the coolest parts of magic is when you're at a table and someone makes a little off-handed joke about i don't know some some like i counter spell something and someone just off-handedly goes oh, of course you would <laughs> like that is just like a, a really funny moment and it's banter in the game right yeah. and i think that a lot of us love the aspect of being able to banter in the game definitely but sometimes Sometimes the banter goes on for too long. It can or, happen. Or we just get carried away with it. Or sometimes we might not even notice that we're bantering about something that makes someone feel a little bit bad about their gameplay. Totally, totally. And it can. It, I sometimes find that people are getting carried away about things during my turn mm. and that they're all so distracted and I almost have to like clear my throat and be like, hey... This spell I'm about to resolve is actually super relevant to the game. I need to know if you're going to counterspell this right yeah. now. Um, so, like, y you know, it's important to keep the banter going. Don't, like, you know, suddenly be like, hey, stop talking or whatever. But equally, maybe try and... I think the one good tip I could give you right here, try not to engage in the banter on your own turn. Because that's, that's one thing that yeah. will, like, 100% slow the game Stop down. Stop a game. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if, if me and James are having banter and it's my turn, the other two players are literally just waiting for me to do anything. Because, like, and the game has stopped. They would just be listening to a spontaneous version of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. The un unscripted. J yeah. James and Walt off the air. Yeah. 100%. During a game of Magic. During a That'd game. be an interesting episode. <laughs> It'd be fun. But, but you know, yes. you are slowing the game down. Yeah. And we do want the game to end, as we said in the last, last episode. episode. Exactly you know, right. we, we want it to come to an end at some point. And so keep the banner going, keep the discussions going. Um, I think probably one way as well you can keep this happening is to talk about the game. Oh, yeah. Like, it can still be funny banter, but have the funny banter be about the cards that are being played. A hundred percent. Like, uh, my favorite thing at the store, at, at, at the Good Games Greensboro, it's an international thing for Magic that certain cards have certain names. Like Gary. Gary, everyone knows Gary. Yeah. There's like Steve. Everyone knows who Steve is. Steve is Sakura Tribal, you sack and get yeah. a basic land on the battlefield taps. But there are other cards that are like unique to our community. I'm gonna give you an example and I'm gonna let you do the thing. Whip of Erebos. Whip <laughs> and that's like every time I'm, I'm again we're adding another member of our community Jordan um, Jordan's got a couple of shout outs this episode yeah definitely yeah. but like I mean obviously we love bantering and talking with Jordan Jordan's yeah. a very political player so it falls into this episode nicely yeah. but that banter of the Whip of Erebos card and knowing that when it hits the table is something that Jordan uses a lot yeah. it brings attention to the game it brings mm. attention because Jordan uses Whip to win like yeah. reanimating a dragon or something like that can win Jordan a game with, mm. you know pretty quickly or if he's got five dragons and he's got whipped down and he's there's no flying blockers he's gonna gain like 25 life yeah. in that turn oh, so yeah, yeah like so when people go whip of 
neither of us. It's drawing attention to the fact that that's happening. And then, like, for example, you're playing your Arami deck, Walt, and, you know, I'm looking at the mill, and maybe some two other players are, you know, having just a conversation or saying, oh, I'm going to go and get a drink or something. And you're milling cards, and I see Gary go into the bin. I go, blah! That's Gary. <laughs> that's Gary. That's yeah, Gary. And then that draws attention to the game, but it's still banter. It's yeah, still like yeah. this lively, fun having aspect of the game, yeah. but it's about the game. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. I think that's probably the main thing to do is to keep the banter about the game. And like, as with everything we've discussed so far, you know, it's about having fun and it's about trying to win. And so, you know, we should not have fun in a way that limits people's ability to engage in the game and win the game. Yes. So, yeah, if we're bantering to an extent that we're obscuring what's happening in the game, it can, you know, we, we hate to get to that situation where, like, it gets to the end of someone's turn and someone says, you know, James is like, oh, I would have counterspelled that when you cast it. And it's like, we've moved past combat and everything. And it's like... And then poor Ellie needs to somehow figure out <laughs> what's going to happen. If there's one thing I've learned, so Ellie's our local judge now still. Yeah. If one, there's one thing I've learned about judging, it's like 95% people management. Oh, God, yeah. Like, the, the rules, 100% are complicated. Like, magic is an extremely complicated game. But, like, most of the time, it's that someone missed a trigger... And the other person's like, oh, they missed a trigger. We're not going to do it. Or and they've revealed too many cards. Yeah, and like... so, like, there's just these weird solutions that Ellie, as a judge, has to know about that are really people management, which is like, okay, those triggers can't be missed. They go on the stack now. Yeah. Play resumes. And my, I respect that woman so much for being able to come into a pod of bickering children, basically, <laughs> and just be like, no, nah, this is what's happening. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back to my game now. She's very good at that. And yeah. probably why she's such a good judge and why we all yeah, have her around. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps it up. You know, we've covered the the many ways we communicate in the game. So we want to hear from you. What, Who are your favorite people to play Commander with? Um, and what specifically is it that they say that makes the game more fun? Yeah. Um, and we'd also like to end this week. We, we warned you last week, our last podcast, whatever this was, uh, that we were going to keep our eyes on your games. We were yes. going to be like Batman, like Vengeance, whatever the hell we said. <laughs> <I'm vicious. laughs> Looming behind you in your games. So, James, have you have you found a play of the week? I have, and I'm really excited to explain this play of the week because it actually starts with two Commander uh, nights ago from this recording of a huge Commander night raffle. We do a raffle every single week at the Good Games Greensboro store uh, on a Tuesday night, and we just have casual Commander play. And the raffle is getting bigger and bigger because more people are coming to our nights. Yeah, it's huge. And if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we gave away three booster boxes. Oh, we did too. Do you remember that? I do remember that week. Three booster boxes. There was a t- uh, there was a Kamigawa set booster box, yep. a Jumpstart box, and a box of Commander Legends. Big week. Wild. Wild week. And one of our community members, Stella, won the box of Commander Legends. And it was awesome. They put in like, I think they maybe bought two tickets. So $4 turned into a whole box of Commander Legends. Awesome. Really cool. I love seeing people uh, get those kinds of prizes by chucking in a couple of tickets. Totally. Now, when we sat down, because I was in a game with them, I sat down at the table and I was like, congratulations. And she said, I really want to draft Commander Legends. And I was like, oh, that'd be so much fun. Can I, can I be a part of that? So we made a little pot of four. Uh, it was myself, Stella, Jam, and Theo, uh, and we actually did it outside of the store. We went to Stella's house, and we all sat down, and we didn't just draft Commander Legends normally. We did a six-pack draft. Oh, because there were only Command- four of you. There was only four of us, right. so we used the entire box, and we drafted a six-pack draft, and we built a 100-card Commander deck 
wow. from drafting. That's so cool. The draft alone took probably an hour and a half, two hours. Wow. Like it took it took a long time. Six packs. I mean, you normally do three packs. Three packs. Draft, so and twice as many packs. In Commander Legends, are twenty cards a pack. Oh my god! So it's even longer it's again. It's huge. Wow. So you, you take two cards per pack. It, yeah. it it was it was colossal, and I'd never done anything like it, and it was really really fun. But that's actually not the play of the week. That's oh. just that's just me setting up the scene, giving you the story <laughs> context it. for the play. So the drafts were pretty interesting. Theo ended up drafting a Colfenor deck with big butts. There was a Prava in there, which was cool, huge. Yeah. Jem um, yeah. had this Cascade deck with a Modi at the helm. Ah. And the entire draft, the entire draft, Stella was sat next to me, going, "I have one commander. I'm hoping I get the other one in another pack. Otherwise, I have to use the Prismatic Piper." And she was sat there, pack after pack, last pack, she jumps out of her seat and goes, yes! <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you clearly got it. Do you want to reveal now we're on pack six? And it was Breaches and Malcolm, the is it partner pairing oh, for Pirate Tribal. Pirate Tribal, yeah, And I, I really wanted to force Pirate Tribal, but I just saw too many good Golgari Elves, so I, I went Golgari Elves. Had to do it. When you owned the Golgari it. Elf deck, the Lanawara. And ironically, back, pack two, I found an Abomination of Lanawara. Uh, I was like, well, there we go, I'm going to build, I'm just going to try and build <laughs> I know how deck. this goes. I know how this deck works. Yeah. And Stella got off to the fastest start of a Commander game that I've seen in a long time. And they drafted the deck. She was sat there playing a draft deck, going at a million miles an hour. She had Malcolm and uh, Breaches down. Yep. Was making treasures every combat damage, every time a pirate dealt damage to a player, they would be making a treasure and exiling the top card of a library, being able to cast it. Wild. It was insane, and we we know that you know the usually the first threat is the first eliminated. Yeah, and this is definitely my play of the game. <laughs> is the way Theo, Gem, and myself immediately just went well, kill Stella time. <laughs> <laughs> that was my play. Of the, that that's my play of the week was doing a six pack draft, and Theo, Gem, and I ganging up to kill Stella. Well, That's... ironically, this kind of ties into the theme of the episode, right? You used a, a mechanic that is technically outside the it game, did, which is did. communicating with other players mm -hmm. to further your game. Like, you know, you, Theo, and Jem increased your likelihood of winning that game. Because we talked to each other. By teaming up. Yep. You eliminated the person who was going to end the game and win it. Yep. And thereby moved yourselves all forward. So there you go. Perfect. Perfect play of the game. Amazing. All right, we've got one more sheet. Should we do it? Yeah. Hey, hey done. Well, end of episode. <laughs> thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and thank you, James. Pleasure as always. All right, that's us. See you next time. Bye bye. Bye.